morning. If you're visiting with us, we are in a sermon series going through 1 Timothy. This is week 9. And this morning we had uh, looked at chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And this evening, by God's grace, we'll hopefully look from verses 11 through 14. But just to give us the context, I'd like just to read from the beginning of chapter 2. So we'll read down through it together. Chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, verse 1. First of all then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, whom gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control. Not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for a woman who professes godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. This morning we looked at that first portion, which is highly contentualized in our society today and probably completely against what is the cultural norm for Someone to speak of how a woman should adorn themselves. Even to speak of such a thing today can be seen to be chauvinistic. Can can seem to be somehow demoralizing women or putting women down in some shape or form. And we unpacked the fullness of that portion of scripture this morning. And I by no means can recap it in this moment of time that I can allow to it. So if you weren't here this morning and you want to know the depths of the true meaning of our passage... I invite you to go online and to look at it. But this evening what I hope to unpack is from verse 11 where it says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. This seemingly evidential passage that, if you read it, seems to be the question closed with regards to women pastors, women elders, leaders within the church. But for somehow, in some reason, in today's society, we see more and more women entering into leadership. As I said this morning, the entirety of this epistle of 1 Timothy is heavily questioned. Most, if not all, of the pastoral epistles of First and Second Timothy and Titus are all questioned. And if they're not questioned as to the authorship of Paul, they're questioned with regards to the practical application and the cultural relevance. In particular, whenever we come to this passage that we've just read, where it says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, and I do not permit a woman to teach, people will cite 
and especially those of the liberal cloth, will say that this is simply a temporary institution of stopping women from teaching. It doesn't mean that this is an all-encompassing move with regards to women to be in a submissive role and to submit to their husbands, nor to submit to the leadership, nor does it teach that women are to simply advocate the role of, of pastor-teacher. It is simply a temporary statement by Paul to Timothy. That is not the case. We understand that God's word does not change. It is immutable. And we understand that we have to always use the scriptures to define the scriptures. But one thing that I will look at, first of all, before we start in verse 11, is whenever it says in verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. This verse is twisted completely out of form. And the usual role of the feminist movement and for those who advocate women teachers is Galatians 3. So I invite you to turn with me there to parallel this verse. Galatians 3 verse 25. It says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you alone, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to purpose. And what they do is they take this passage and they say, well, here it is, clearly stipulated in Galatians, where it says there is no longer male and no longer female. We are all one under Christ and through Christ. There's no longer Greek, there's no longer Jew, slave or not slave, no longer male or female. And they take this passage completely out of its context and they say, well, here it is here. Yes, Paul might have said that women should not be in a role over authority over a man, but we're no longer in the Old Testament covenant. We're no longer in the intertestamental covenant, but we're now in the New Testament covenant and there's no longer roles as in men and women. People even cite this passage to uh, to make authentic the same-sex marriage. There's nothing wrong with a man marrying a man because here it is here. There's no difference anymore between men and women and women and men. So therefore, according to this passage, men can get married to men. Women can get married to women. Or women can hold the, the office of elder or pastor. But we have to understand what Paul is actually saying here. He's saying to say that there is equality, yes, in the household of God. There is no difference between a man and a woman with regards to salvation. There's no difference regarding a Jew or a Greek with regards to salvation. There's no difference between a slave or a non-slave when it comes to salvation. It by no means advocates coming away from our roles as people who are equal in equality with regards to salvation, equal in equality with regards to our purpose for God, but in different roles. We see this best explained in Philippians 2. If you take a right in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5. Have this mind. Among yourselves. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. This verse is talking about the complexities of the Trinity. How you have God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They're all equal, they're all one. And yet Christ, who is God, humbled himself to become a servant. Even though God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are equal in power and authority, they have different roles. Even whenever we come to pray, we understand the Godhead, we understand the Trinity, but we come to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. All equal, all one, different roles. It is the same for us who are men and female. We are equal in God's sight. We are, have the same Love, same purpose, but we all have different roles. And this is the true meaning of that passage in Galatians. If we had time this evening, we could spend more and more time unpacking that. But I think that Paul does a better job by the reason that he gives, which is, Let women learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first. Paul cites the whole purpose of the relationship between men and women by citing Adam and Eve. Before we get to that, we need to unpack a little bit more. So whenever it says here, let a woman learn quietly and all submissiveness, we today miss how important that passage is. Paul cites that women are to learn. For this current culture, that was massive. In Judaism, women were looked down upon. Women could only go so far into the courts of the synagogue and the temple. Women were not allowed to sit with the men and learn. Paul cites here that women are to be taught. Women are to learn. But there is a specific role whenever they're learning. Let women learn how, quietly, with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach her to exercise authority over a man. So if a woman is to remain quiet, can a woman in a prayer meeting pray? Of course they can. Can a woman during a midweek conversation, when it's a topical conversation, be able to give her input? Of course she can. What Paul is citing here is what we looked at this morning, is the whole point is when he uses in every place. It is specific of every place of worship, on the gathering of the ecclesia, on a church service. Yes, women are to remain quiet and not to be in a leadership role. But they are able to pray. How do we know this? Because we see it evidential in Scripture. Turn with me to Acts really quickly. Acts chapter 1. We'll read from verse 12. Just after the ascension of Christ, we read, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they, were, where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Aphelius, the Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, 
together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Here we see specifically that women are to be involved in prayer. Women are to be involved in teaching. Women are able to pray out loud. We could turn to a different passage of scripture where it advocates when a woman is to prayer and talking about head coverings. When they are to prophesy and this whole imagery of how women can indeed speak out with regards to the fellowship gatherings of church. But Paul is highlighting here is that he does not want a woman to speak with regards to teaching authority with the pastor-teacher role. And what he says, what we've just read, is I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. This is specifically talking about eldership. Those who are in authority. Those who have to give an account over the flock. Those who are, who are called by God to teach and to instruct. Those who are called to act out church discipline. Those who are able to uh, have authority over who is part of the church. And Paul's reasoning I think is fantastic when he says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Turn to me to Genesis and we'll unpack exactly what Paul is trying to say here. Genesis chapter 2. Again, we're going to see that it wasn't through the fall that we were given different roles. It wasn't because of sin that women ultimately had to become submissive to their husbands. It was God's creative plan even from the garden. And we read whenever, Paul, whenever God has made man... And he brings everything before him. We read in chapter 2 verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying. You must surely eat of every tree. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it you shall surely die. At this stage Eve has not even been created yet. Only man exists at this point. And this is God's commandment to the man. You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but you cannot eat of this tree. And if you eat of it, you shall surely die. We read in verse 18, And the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, And brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds and to the heavens and to every beast of the field. But But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We read about the fall in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say? Now Eve was not present 
whenever God gave the commandment and the decree that they could eat of any tree apart from this one tree. So it was Adam's role as the husband to instruct Eve, to teach her God's word, to be the conveyor and the leader of the household. This is evident in the garden. This is what we read right throughout the New Testament. Women are to be submissive to men and men are meant to lead. Women are not meant to lead. Men are not meant to be submissive to the woman but the other way around. Why? Because this is God's creation. This is the answer that Paul gives in 1 Timothy. He says it's not because of culture. It's not because of, of something that's happened in the New Testament, Intertestament, Old Testament. This goes all the way back to the garden before the fall. This was God's way. So the serpent questions God's word. The serpent questions what the husband had says to the wife. The serpent questions whether or not she's able to make her own decisions. This is sin entering into the fore. Did God actually say? Is your husband really the right person to interpret what God said? You weren't there Eve. How do you know that that's really what he said? Is your husband simply trying to cast you down? Keep you underneath his law? Is this some sort of conspiracy to shackle you and hold you back? Did he actually say? Because after all, God didn't say it to you, Eve. Did he even say it to Adam? He questions the motives of God, the ways of God, and whether or not Eve should truly submit or not to Adam. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. How does Eve know this? She wasn't there. We just read it. Because Adam has sat and taught Eve God's way, God's law, God's command, God's decree. He is leading his home. He is teaching and instructing his wife. This is God's way. She quotes exactly what God says. She knows what God has said. But she has to submit to the fact that it was said through Adam. And that she was not there. This is the avenue that the devil creeps in. This is the feminist movement that was started in the early 50s and into the 60s. That by some way to be in God's plan and God's decree and to be a submissive godly wife is wrong. It's oppressive. It's the same thing that happened in the garden. It's the same thing that happens today. She quotes as I read, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You will be like God. Eve, you'll be a leader. You'll be like the creator himself. You'll be able to give the decrees. You'll be able to be the one in charge. You will be like God. This is the whole point of why people reject the truth of God's word. This is why we have women today in the church who are pastors and elders and and overseers of the flock. And yet it completely comes against what God 
said, it's the same lie that the serpent said to Eve, that is the same lie that the devil said to all women with regards to the church. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to her eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Where's Adam? Where's the spiritual leader of this home? Where's the advocate for his wife? Where's the person who's meant to intercede on behalf of his wife? Where is the protector of God's word when his wife is being tempted by the devil? Where is Adam when all this is going on? Have you ever thought that when you read this? Where is the one in whom God instructed and gave God the decree and gave God his word and said to him, here is the helper for you? Where is Adam? The serpent's in the garden. How did the serpent get in on Adam's watch? How is the serpent able to tempt Adam's wife? The New Testament tells us that us as husbands will have to give an account for the spiritual well-being of our wives. The New Testament tells us that if we are not treating our wives in a proper manner, then our prayers will be hindered. Where is he? We're going to find out where he is. The tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. He's standing there. Letting his wife lead. Going against what God has commanded him to do. He's fallen into his natural sinful desire the devil knows. Which is men do not want to lead. They want to be submissive. Women want to lead. They don't want to be submissive. So Adam oversees this whole thing. And never interjects and says Eve God said I was there. I heard his command. No. He stands back and lets his wife lead. To our detriment and more to his. Can you imagine that? He was meant to be the person who worked the garden. He was the person who named the animals. He is the person who was created. And Eve was his helper. And now he takes the back seat and lets Eve make all the decisions. She gave some to her husband who was with her. And he edit. His desires for his bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. The beauty of his wife give him more pleasure than it was to follow the commandments of God. This is what's everywhere in the church. Women able to coerce their husbands through sexual intent. Or whatever other venture there is. I'm to lead. You're to be submissive. I'm to make the decisions. You're to go along with them. I'm the leader. You're not. This isn't new. This is from the very beginning of creation in the garden. And Adam. Instead of being a man. Who has fear of God and fear of God's commandment. And can see the beauty of God's way. Gives in to his wife. And takes the fruit out of her hand. And eats it after she's eaten it. 
We know how the story progresses. Verse 7, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they <clears throat> sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and they hid and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to them to the man and said to him, Where are you? Why does he call to the man? Because the man is responsible for the family. He doesn't call to Eve, he calls the man. Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you give me, (coughs) the woman whom you give to me, uh, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Here's the typical male answer. Her fault. She made me do it. No, Adam. You are the one who's the spiritual leader of your family. You are the one who is called to not be coerced by your wife or external influences. You are the one whom I'm given the commandments of my laws and my decrees. You are the one who are to oversee as a shepherd, oversee a flock of your family. This is why we see church talked about as the bride of Christ. How husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. How elders have to be fearful whenever they come into the position. Because we are going to be judged at a higher measure and a higher accord. Because we are the people entrusted with God's word. Husbands are the people entrusted with the word of God to instruct their wives. Adam falls back on it's, it's her fault. Blame her. It's not what Christ did. Christ died for his bride he took the penalty for his bride he loved his bride even when she was in sin us Adam's whole mindset is not the biblical narrative that we know that we're called to as men verse 13 then the Lord said to the woman what is this that you have done and the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. Adam blames the woman. The woman blames the devil. No one knows their role. What should have happened is Eve should have said, my husband didn't instruct me. My husband let me lead. My husband sat back. My husband knew your decrees and did nothing. And I was overcome by the devil. That's why we're told in scripture about how the women are the weaker vessel. and We have to watch out for them as husbands. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat. And the days of your life I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I shall surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. This is Adam's sin. 
This is why we are where we are today. Nothing to do with serpent. Nothing to do with eating of the fruit. It's to do with a man who would not do his role. And a woman who would, did not want to be submissive. Because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the plants of the field and on it goes. Adam's at fault, not Eve. Adam's at fault. He stood by and watched his wife lead. It made her happy to lead. She enjoyed leading. She wanted to lead. And he was more than happy to help her in her desires, even though they were sinful. The result? She's overcome by the devil. She gives in to the twisting of God's word. She gives in to what she wants to do. And then in the midst of her sin, she then gives the same portion to her husband who then eats it. The rules are reversed. The rules are wrong. It is never to think that it is Eve who's at fault. It is Adam who's at fault. This is what Paul points to. I do not allow a woman to teach. I do not allow a woman to have authority. Why? Because it was Adam who was created first. Go back to the garden and see the biblical example of what it's meant to be. This is what the church is meant to be. Women who joyfully submit to their husbands because they are in protection of their husbands. Men who are called to lead. Men who are called to study the word and have a fear that they are going to be judged by God if their wives are not living in a manner that they are called to live. If they're allowing their wives to be given over to false teachers. They allow their wives to be given over to false doctrines. It is not the woman who is going to be judged but the man. Her blood will be on his hands. She will be guilty, yes. But ultimately it is going to come down on his head. It starts, which we're going to see Paul going straight into after this description in 1 Timothy. In immediately to what an elder is called to be. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Chapter 5 verse 12. Describing sin that came through Adam. And life that comes through Christ. Verse 12. Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam. Who was a type of one who was to come. And it goes on to describe, through one man's disobedience, we have all fallen. But through one man, Christ's obedience, we can all be saved. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. It is Adam who simply would not do what God called him to do, lead. All human Race, all human beings have fallen because of one man's disobedient to be the leader of his home. 
to stand before God and stand on God's word, to be instructed by God in the way, and then to lovingly instruct his wife sacrificially. It is Christ, through his obedience to God's word, his obedience to be a leader, his obedience to be an instructor, and his obedience to lay himself down for his wife, the church. That is the marriage in which God wants all Christians to have. It is the marriage of the church that we are all designed to have. Elders who are not there because they want to have elevation of popularity or to have status, but are there because they genuinely have a love for the congregation, like a husband has a love for a wife, who will teach sacrificially, who will stand on God's authority alone no matter what happens. We know that our brothers and churches around Northern Ireland, Ireland this year will be voting on same-sex marriage. We know that women pastors have infiltrated into the church. Why? Because the natural sinful heart of man is to step back. Put the TV on. Don't bother me. You lead. You teach. You instruct. It's only whenever it comes to a club and a mallet that they want women to submit. Do what you're told. But I don't want to lead. I don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to be in a position where I stand before God and have to give an account for you. Women have to let their husbands lead. Husbands have to lead. Congregations have to let their eldership lead. Congregations have to submit to the authority of God's word. And this is God's way. Why? Because it protects the man from falling and protects the woman from falling. If you go back to 1 Timothy. Verse 11, chapter 2. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. If you want the church, Timothy... To grow and to mature and to prosper and to go deep into the foundations and the truths of God's word. You cannot have a woman in leadership because she can be deceived. Not that men can't be deceived, but it's not the biblical model. Women are to be submissive. Woman was deceived and became a transgressor in verse 15. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. By God's grace, we'll unpack that next Sunday morning. Our takeaway this evening, what's wrong with the biblical model of church and marriage? Men are cowards. Men are boys. Men do not want to lead. Men do not want to have to spend the time to study God's word, to meditate in God's word, to pray for his wife, to pray for his family, to lead their family in devotions, to lead their family in worship, to ask their wives what exactly is going on, to care and to give sacrificially for their wife. No, no, no. Men would rather be left alone. Women are called to be submissive to godly men, are called to be taught by Men, not because they are unequal in God's eyes, for we are all equal, but they are called to be submissive because it is God's way. 
To me, it is simple. A woman who is a pastor is not a pastor. A church who has a woman leader has no leader. A family that has a woman as the leader is not in God's will nor God's plan. There has to be change there. There has to be growth there for each, both men and women, to be exactly where God wants them to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the instruction that we can receive this evening through the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who had the charge, Lord, of changing the church at Ephesus, Father, that had been corrupted, Lord, from Judaism and false teaching and false doctrine, Lord, to women who are elevated into authority and leadership, Father. And we praise you, Lord, that this passage, Father God, speaks so clearly of your design, of the headship of man and the helper of a wife. Father, we pray that in today's society where this is looked upon, Father God, as somehow being degrading to women, Lord, we pray, Father, that we do not succumb to that lie. That we do not succumb to actually question, did God actually say, as you read in the garden? Father, may those who are women here this evening, Father God, rejoice that they are called to submit, that they are called to be in line with your will. May the men, Father God, rejoice that they are called to be leaders of their home and to give an accountability for their wife. May those in eldership and a pastorship throughout the churches, Lord, rejoice that they have been called and instructed to preach and teach your word and your word alone. But Father, may all those in leadership have a fear and an awe to stand before your glorious throne and have to give an account of every word that we have taught. Let us not shy from our roles. Let us embrace them, Father, by the grace of God. And may you be glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll stand, we'll close in worship.